Hi, this is Nick Forster. We're going to share one of our favorite E-Town shows from the archives, and it starts right now. Live from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guest from County Cork, Ireland, Mick Flannery, Achievement Award winner, Ann Rolfus, and originally from Memphis, now residing in Brooklyn, Valerie June. I'm Helen Forster. Join me now in welcoming our host, if you would, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. I happen to be uh, a really lucky guy. And one of the many reasons um, that I consider myself fortunate is that I've been able to travel all over this country and lots of other countries playing music. And when you get to do that, uh, you learn that each place has a sound and that that sound is reflected uh, in the local music scene. Sometimes it's exotic, like the wild Ganawa music from uh, northwestern Morocco, or the you know traditional music in Japan or Bulgaria, or those those exotic places. Sometimes it's like the bar scene and the bar sounds in Lafayette, Louisiana, or in in New Orleans. But uh, these places have their own sound. And uh, this week, we've got two artists who come from places that have their own sounds, and yet these two artists have absorbed those sounds and uh, gone beyond and made the, made new things that are all their own. Uh, Mick Flannery, of course, is from County Cork in Ireland. And while he learned some traditional Irish music, he also heard the songs that his mother and her family and friends sang around the house when he was growing up. And that included Van Morrison songs and Tom Waits songs and Joni Mitchell songs. But he's a great songwriter and a great singer and a really successful artist, especially in his native country. Really glad he's here. And our first guest uh, grew up in southwestern Tennessee, moved to Memphis as a teenager sang in a duo, then a band, then started doing her own shows, writing songs. She combined all the sounds around her uh, with her own really unique approach, both vocally and rhythmically. So she sounds like where she comes from, but she also sounds like herself. She's been celebrated for years in the press with good reason. Really glad she's here for her first visit. Please welcome to E-Town, Valerie June. I just have to say for our radio audience, you're really missing out. <laughs> Valerie went the extra mile. You can go on our website, etown.org, and see videos of exactly what she's wearing today, and I recommend it. Tap the mile 
Hey, welcome, Valerie Jean. Welcome to E-Town. Thank you. I can totally see you as a little kid, because you still have that kid energy. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That I hope I have thing. it when I get my grand's age. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm imagining, and maybe this is just a cliche, but I'm imagining that you sang at church when you were growing up? I did. Yeah. Did, mm. you, did you have favorite hymns that you couldn't wait till they got to those ones? Yes. <laughs> Out of 900 or 1,000 hymns in the book? Yeah. You had I had some, some favorites. favorites. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's my song! <laughs> Up in the pew, like, <laughs> bouncing and jumping and screaming. No, I couldn't do that because it was Church of Christ, but in my mind, I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you went to a church where they had some singing because not every church has singing, right? What? That's true. Wait a minute, hold up. No, now, no, what no. church does not have singing? Uh, uh, that's the only reason people go. Yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons, yeah. I'm messing with y'all. I'm not. I ain't right, I ain't right, I ain't right. So, so uh, you had some favorite hymns. What about favorite singers when you were a kid? Did you have singers that you thought, man, these singers are so great. I want to sing like them. Oh, wow, I did. My dad bought us The Bare Necessities and oh, Jungle yeah. Book. Yeah. And, oh, I love the bear when he yeah. sings, looks for the bare necessities. The simple bare necessities. Get about, about your, your worries and your strife. Little known folk music fact is that uh, Texas singer-songwriter Eliza Gilkison, her dad wrote that song. Really? Yeah, bare necessities. Anyway, we'll move on to you and your world. So as I understand, speaking of dads, your dad occasionally promoted like gospel shows, right? Brought other bands into town and put on shows? He did, he did. Gospel and R&B. Did he do a Prince show one time? He did one of Prince's first shows. Wow. It was 1982, the year I was born. So I didn't get to meet Prince. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the other time I was supposed to meet Prince, I was bad, and I went back to the hotel and went to bed, because he was late to the party. It was his party, and he w it was like one or two, and I'm an old lady. Even though I'm a kid and, yeah. and playful, I'm still like, it's after 10, I gotta go to bed. Yeah, and I bet you started writing songs pretty early in your life. When I was very little, I would, yeah. I would hear songs about trees and rainbows and frogs and stuff, so not surprising go out on somehow. a rainbow day and start singing. That's cool. Hey, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Valerie June. Your record, Order of Time, came out in 2017, got all kinds of attention. Rolling Stone magazine called it one of the best of the year. Even Bob Dylan said he was listening to it, and that must make you feel great. It's incredible. Incredible, right? I'm still buzzing two yeah. years later. <laughs> we just had uh, some of the, uh, like the Georgia Sea Island singers, the Gullah Geechee uh, singers here on E-Town a little while ago, and it sounds like that tradition to me. That's it, so cool. It is I so cool. Well, no, it's it's a deep groove, and I'm just glad that you figured it out. Um, listen, we're, you've got more music, but I have a couple more things I just want to touch on before we get back. Um, you've lent your voice to a few benefit concerts along the way. You're a southerner living in New York City, and you're uh, well-traveled. Are there any causes or concerns that you have right now that you are inclined to support or lend your voice? If somebody said, hey, do you want to do a benefit show, what would it be for? Most of the benefit things that I do are for children mm -hmm. with turnaround arts, mm -hmm. keeping arts in schools, because right. it's so important. And we don't realize what art does for our days and for our lives and just being able to slow us yeah. down. But outside of that, 
I think my job is more in a spiritual and metaphysical way. Mm -hmm. No politics in 2020 for you? I'm going to vote. Yeah. Are there you, you kidding? Go. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot, we got to do something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 got to. <laughs> All right, well, with that, we will get back to music. Welcome back to E-Town, if you would. Valerie June. to be on the river on a rainy day. Somebody with the blues, somebody with worries, somebody with problems. And you go down to the Mississippi River or whatever river is near you, because most towns are near rivers. And you throw all the worries into the river. And if you know anything about rivers, then you know that they all move on downstream towards the oceans. And those worries just wash on away. Getting weaker and weaker. I'm waiting. 
And if you really want the spell to come through, you chant a little bit. Da da dee 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 da pee la dee chee la dee da da dee da dee da 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 That's Valerie June. Now living in Brooklyn, down in Tennessee originally. The record's called The Order of Time out on Concord. She'll be back, play some more music later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. And if you'd like to join us as we wrap up our 2023 season, we're doing a special show taping at Mackey Auditorium in Boulder on December 14th. It'll feature musical guest Madison Cunningham and Rufus Wainwright. To find out more or to buy tickets to attend, visit our website, etown.org. You're listening to Etown. Forster, you're listening to E-Town. Uh, Valerie June's going to be back to play some more music. And coming up, great Irish singer-songwriter Mick Flannery is here with his band. You know, since we started back in 1991, every single show we've combined some outstanding live music with um, conversation and information about our environment, about our communities, uh, and that certainly continues today. We are now going to introduce you to somebody that we got to know with the help of one of our listeners. And uh, every week we get to celebrate these just great success stories, individuals out in their communities looking around, finding a way to make things better, taking the, that first step, and then watching those results uh, really happen. So we love celebrating these successes. It's uh, something called the Achievement Award. And here comes Helen Forrester to tell you about this week's winner. Thank you very much, Nick. With us this week is Anne Rolfus of New Orleans, Louisiana. Anne is the founder of a nonprofit environmental health and justice organization called the Louisiana Bucket Brigade. They work directly with the residents of largely poor communities to monitor air pollution levels. And more importantly, the group helps to hold companies accountable when they violate environmental standards. Not only that, Anne's group even recently led the charge to stop the construction of a huge plastics factory that would have produced significant pollution in an already compromised area. Now, Anne is here with us to tell us about the work they've done and continue to do, so please help me welcome, from New Orleans, Louisiana, activist and Achievement Award winner, Anne Rolfus.
Hey, Ann, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming all this way. So tell us about the industries we're talking about here that Helen mentioned and that you and your group are working to kind of uh, keep in line. Well, you name it, we've got it. Uh, chemical plants, big hazardous dumps, oil refineries, essentially everything that most people are trying to phase out of, the state of Louisiana is doubling down on and saying, bring us more, bring us more. Wow. It's really no coincidence that it's along the Mississippi River, along the same stretch where plantations once held sway. It's got a lot of the same principles going on, including abuse of the local population. Yeah, and this is primarily, you know, sort of uh, like an environmental justice case as well. These are, you know, impoverished communities and they're being taken advantage of. They are, but something that's really important is that on their own, without these chemical plants, these are strong and beautiful communities. Mm. And when a chemical plant or an oil refinery charges into your neighborhood, suddenly your property is worthless, your kids get sick. And so the connection between poverty and these facilities is really important. Yeah. And in fact, one causes the other. Right. And, and when, those, um, when those property values uh, plummet and the kids get sick, it's a double whammy because they then can't sell their house, can't Absolutely. really move, can't relocate. Absolutely. And when you talk to families who are in this predicament, they have a conscience about it. And they say, we can't in good faith try to sell our home to somebody knowing right. what we know right. about the big polluter next yeah. door. And I've heard, I don't know that this is true, but I've heard that even Chinese companies are locating factories in Louisiana because they can do things there they can't even do in China. Absolutely. There was a big company called Wanwa, and yeah, they were planning to build something in our part of the world. You know, it's really transitioning now to a place where big Asian companies are coming, and, and from other parts of the world as well, but seeing us as almost a sort of colony and making some of the base materials for export. And I think this is, in some way, a really new position for yeah. us and one that we want to make sure actually does not happen. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about, there must have been a, a particular incident that just made you want to start this work. Well, I was in the Peace Corps in Africa and was very close with the family that I lived with, and then started to learn, I was in West Africa, about specifically what was happening in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Horrible pollution, destruction of people's homes, and it felt as if that could have happened to the people that I lived with. And then I took it a step further and realized, but wait a minute, you know, I'm from Louisiana, we have a lot of destruction happening in my own home. Yeah. And so it's that sort of, I think, familiar story where you have to go yeah. across the globe to find out what's happening in your own home. Yeah. Hey, why is your organization called the Bucket Brigade? Well, the bucket is an easy-to-use air sampling device, and so part of what we do is train people how to document the pollution that they're living with so that they have some evidence to fight back with. Yeah, so they go out and gather air samples. They do, and yet, as I think we know from climate change, it's not as if the problem is we don't understand the science. Right. So taking air samples is part of it, but certainly as important as work, uh, you know, strategic work and doing a lot of media work to get the stories out there because the companies are happy if it just stays in one little neighborhood behind right. one little hedge. You know, we want to trumpet it yeah. to the greater world. What was the, what was the first sort of general community the, that you worked with? Well, I had just come back from Nigeria yeah. focusing on Shell and then I land back in Louisiana and there's Shell, right? Decimating a community called Diamond. And the community there had been sick with a lot of strange illnesses for a long time and finally had come to the point where they wanted Shell to buy out their contaminated property. So we campaigned on that, we won, and a, and a very important aspect there was, was the local leader who said, 
My ancestors stood up to slavery. I can stand up to Shell. She harnessed that power. We harnessed that power. There, we have a, a huge, a huge challenge ahead of us. But bigger things have been beaten, and that's the way that we look at it. Yeah. Yeah. They try to tout their jobs, and and that argument is a very, very weak one now because these are temporary jobs given mostly to men who have to leave their families for weeks or months at a time. This is no kind of economy, and and we are glad to have that jobs argument with them because we win it every time. And a lot of the jobs don't go to locals anyway. No. They were building a pipeline through our state. We went along the route, took pictures of the workers' license plates. They were from Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, even Utah, everywhere but Louisiana. Yeah. We'd go on side and say, anybody here know how to eat a crawfish? Silence. (laughs) There must be a way, because it's no secret. I mean, they call it, for God's sakes, they call it Cancer Alley, right? Everybody knows this is harmful. The thing that's always puzzled me is that if anybody lives in these communities or near these communities, they must know that kids are getting sick. They must know that their kids are gonna get sick. And so at some point, doesn't that sort of fundamental humanity drive some of the decision making? What you see at these hearings when they're bringing in plans for these enormous facilities, you see these uh, usually white men get up in suits saying what a great idea it is. This is wonderful. And then after the meeting, they go back to their home, which is 50 miles away. Absolutely none of the managers, none of the engineers, none of the people who are behind bringing these facilities in live anywhere nearby. Of course, in the greater picture, their water's polluted, right? Their air is polluted, but they're not right there in the firing line. And I think that they just cast an idea of otherness on the people who are there. There's something wrong with them already. They're already poor, right? They're already sick. You know, I didn't do it. They were just like that. Yeah, boy, that's sad. I have to ask you, because this is such a daunting challenge for somebody who's taking the time and um, risking a lot and engaging these communities on behalf of this cause, do you have the sense that you're making progress? Absolutely. Absolutely we're making progress. That now, for example, in Louisiana, a state that is dominated by the petrochemical industry, we are talking now about a moratorium. We are talking about the fact that these are dead-end jobs that don't actually help our families. We're talking about a fact that we need to transition from this industry. Mm -hmm. And so that's certainly huge progress from where we started when I started this 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago you started. Yep. And so it's a nonprofit organization. Yes. Bucket Brigade. When you mount an effort to go into a community and rally and do some stuff like that, do you have like regular volunteers who help you do that? Well, usually people come to us and there's no shortage of petrochemical facilities. So people come to us with a problem and they usually already have a few people in their neighborhood who are already really mad. So they come with a lot of... uh, a lot of elbow grease already having you know, been expended and with a lot more vision and hard work and just some real wisdom. I mean, yeah. they don't fall for the lies and all the PR propaganda. So we're always beginning on a pretty strong footing. Yeah. And when you think about your successes, think yes. about things where you've actually really changed things, how many people do you think you've impacted? that probably numbers somewhere in the 15,000 range. Yeah. And if you, you know, think, well, water flows, air wafts, down to the next place. I mean, I think you could double that and say about 30,000 people. 30,000 people, yeah. Well, and I just have to tell you, your story is really inspiring. A lot of us don't get to have that visceral experience of seeing communities literally be poisoned right in front of us. 
But you've stood up in the face of that power and organized and helped these communities rally on behalf of their health, their welfare, their future. It's just really inspiring. Thanks. I want to congratulate you. Thank you. Before you leave us, if people want to learn more or see pictures and learn more about the work you're doing, is there a website if people want to go? Yeah, on? just go to labucketbrigade.org. Labucketbrigade.org. Yes. You know, we're in the western part of the U.S., so that is not Los Angeles. That yes. is short for Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. labucketbrigade.org. LA okay, great. Thanks, Ann. Thank you. Congratulations. This week's Achievement Award winner, Ann Rolfe, founder of the Bucket Brigade. Wow, what a great story. Now, if by chance you tuned in in the middle of this segment and you'd like to hear the whole conversation, as always, you can find this program for free through your favorite podcast distributors or on our website, etown.org. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Anne. We have more music uh, from Valerie June coming up in just a little while. Right now, I'm going to tell you about our next guest. So Mick Flannery grew up outside of uh, Blarney in County Cork in Ireland. His mother played the guitar, and uh, her brothers and sisters would come over to the house and sing songs by Tom Waits and Dylan or Joni Mitchell or, or Tracy Chapman. Uh, but as a teenager, Mick heard Kurt Cobain uh, on an MTV Unplugged session, and that actually kind of sparked a whole new direction for him. He went on to write songs and then won a songwriting competition in, of all places, Nashville, Tennessee. He spent a few months living in Williamsburg and Brooklyn and then uh, playing gigs in New York City. But since then, uh, back in Ireland, he has released six records, the latest in 2019. He's won all kinds of prizes and, and gotten lots of recognition for his work. It's also important to note that he's a, also a skilled tradesman, a stonemason, who still enjoys uh, doing physical labor rather than sitting around waiting for the next song lyric to pop into his head. He's here with his band. We're really happy to have him. Please welcome to E-Town, Mick Flannery. Hello. How are you doing? It's nice to be here. Uh, this song is called Wasteland. It's, uh, it's kind of a song about the ego. The first verse is supposed to be the conscious mind talking to the unconscious. And then second verses gets its answer. When you're not around, I'm set out quiet, mind unwired. When you're not around, I'm deep down trying to slow your course. When you're not around, I watch thoughts emerging, loving, judging, hating, caring, high aware of conscious flow that's slow until I disappear. I'm your brother, I made the same, I'm your killer. I'm green of sand 
sound as cold as your bleeding heart order When you're not around fumbling and loving in our water The seed for the flower we need The others deciding it's our time for dying While someone somewhere says love is the only goal This song is called um, Must Be More. Dreaded green. 
Flannery, welcome to E-Town. Thank you very you much. You sound great. Thank you. Good song craft, great singing. The entire album is about an existential crisis. Yeah, it's about uh, the pitfalls of desire, I guess. Well, the trouble that can come with being too ambitious or having a goal kind of define you. And then maybe achieving that goal and realizing it's, it's not satisfying. Yeah. Or at least it's empty, I guess, or in some sense. Yeah, it's a good story. It's fundamentally uh, Irish, sad and, and uh, depressing. Yeah, <laughs> that's my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> but modern at the same time. Yeah, uh, I tried to make it. A, I mean, I, I've, I've been guilty of um, kind of sounding too much like Tom Waits and stuff like that. I, I can't listen to my first album because I can hear myself imitating him. Yeah. And uh, it annoys me. <laughs> but, uh, well, let me ask you about that contest in Nashville where you went to the songwriting contest. How did that even come about? That takes a lot of uh, time and logistics and courage to just say, yeah, I'm going to go enter the songwriting contest. Well, it was, I mean, I had, I had been to New York and I had gone around the singer-songwriter scene and done the open mics and I kind of left with my tail between my legs in a sense so I was in Ireland when I submitted my songs to that competition I, I wasn't in Nashville physically yeah 
I don't know, I didn't want to feel like I had given up in some sense, so I just submitted those songs to that competition and it came back, you know, it was a good result and uh, it... I Who were the judges? Well, apparently Tom Waits was one of the judges. <laughs> I, I, I remember writing to the competition afterwards, like sending them a little fan letter, can, can, can you please send this to Tom? <laughs> It's so funny. It's it's one of those uh, little uh, life twists. Yeah. Hey, when you were just let me go back to when you were a kid, and your mom is there with her brothers and sisters, and they're bringing the guitars out and they're playing and they're singing. What did that feel like for you as a little kid? Did that feel like a normal thing that just happens, or did that feel celebratory, or did it feel like oh well she plays guitar so I can play guitar? What was that like? I wanted to be a part of it. I just wanted to be in the gang. And so I started to learn guitar, and it was Tom Waits and Bob Dylan songs that was what I wanted to learn first. And they are all, from their own father's influence, they were all interested in story songs, songs that had, you know, meaningful lyrics. So that then, in turn, meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fantastic physical musician. I'm more interested in the songwriting yeah. bit. Well, listen, I th- you've got a great talent as a songwriter and a singer, and, and you've had great success, and I don't want to, you know, ignore the fact that you've achieved a lot, and your newest record has just done really well, gotten lots of attention, and in the midst of it, you still love to uh, swing a hammer and hit a chisel. Yeah. Let me ask you about the whole life of a mason, because in some ways, it puts me in mind of music in that there's obviously um, uh, a trade that needs to be learned, and there's a uh, skills that have to be developed, and in some ways there are traditions that have to be studied, and different ways of building a wall, or different ways of repairing a wall, and is it, in your experience at all, like music? The artistic uh, comparison is probably there. I guess it's just kind of rooted in some kind of willingness for creativity. Like you say, that you stick to traditions or you can change it up a little bit. I was interested in changing things a little bit and maybe doing different things with arches and stuff like that. And every now and again, we'd get a wealthier person would like something like a, an ornamental design in their garden, like a fountain or some useless thing like that. <laughs> and uh, so we'd get free reign to, <laughs> to, to, to design that, which was fun. <laughs> All right, a little levity out there in the rain in Ireland um, as a stonemason. But meanwhile, it's great that you've been able to, to, to achieve this level of success and, and sustain yourself, and, and as, as well you should, because you're really a talented writer and singer. We've got more music to get back to. Please welcome back to E-Town, if you would, along with his band, Mick Flannery. Nick and Helen are going to join us for this song. This song is called In the Gutter. If I go down to the tavern, babe, I won't come back. If I go down to the tavern, babe, I won't come back I'm trying to do better Trying to get myself together 
Pick me up, put me back on track Well, my bed is made in the gutter But I won't lie down My bed is made in the gutter But I won't lie down No, I can't stay here forever Gotta get myself together Take my hand, you ought to turn my luck around But I'm a man with a hurricane out on my heels Say anywhere, anywhere away from here There's a weight in me and it won't let me go Wanna shine, shine, moon as I know Though I do need you I, ooh, will keep me on the straight Mick Flannery, along with his band, Christian Best on the drums, Alan Comerford on guitar and vocals, Michael Connell 
on the bass and vocals along with Helen singing harmony. The record is called Mick Flannery out on Starhouse Records in County Cork, Ireland. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination on the web at bohemianfoundation.org. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. Hey, if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town. I am Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are here in E-Town right now on stations like KSKO in McGrath, Alaska, on WTTS in Indianapolis, Indiana, and on KRVS down in Lafayette, Louisiana. As always, if you want some more information about any of our guests or if you want to check out photos, videos, find out how to get tickets, all that stuff is online at etown.org. Okay, so we have heard the new sounds from uh, different places in the world, from Ireland and Memphis and with a little New York and Nashville and many other places kind of along the way. We learned about those parts of Louisiana where the chemical industry has targeted communities of color and, and other toxic factories and how people and organizations can fight for fairness and how important that is. And it's basically what we do all the time, right? We have to fight for fairness. And, uh, and as, uh, as um, Valerie pointed out, voting. So we can all do those things. Right now, please help me welcome back to E-Town, Valerie June. I'd like to invite Nick and the E-Towns to the stage.
Valerie June, along with the E-Tones. Thank you. Ron Jolly, Christian Teal, Chris Engelman, Valerie June. We're gonna do one more song. I wanna thank everybody for being on the show this week. Um, as it turns out, uh, Mick and Valerie crossed paths in Ireland once before and they, um, they had a chance to play this song together. So we're gonna do it again. I wanna thank all our guests. Once again, thanks to our, our um, interview guest, Ann Rolfs from Louisiana Bucket Brigade. Such important work. Thank you for doing it on behalf of all of us. And especially in those communities right there in Louisiana. Uh, thanks to Mick Flannery and his band. Thanks to the E-Tones and Helen Forster. Thanks to Valerie June. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to uh, John Prine for this next one. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. I am an old woman named after my mother.
buzzing. in the kitchen. I can hear them buzzing. I ain't done nothing since I woke up today. How the hell can a person go to work in the morning and come home in the evening and have nothing to say? Make me an angel that flies from the This is a production of E-Town.